The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Stand up on your feet if you're able to. If you're not, stand up on the inside. Take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 35. Glory. Psalm 35, pardon me, Psalm 31. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 31, verse 5. Are you ready? Into your hand I commit my spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have tonight to be ministered to by the living Word of God. Once again, we come. We're asking for your anointing, your endowment with power to rest upon each of us giving us ears to hear and hearts to respond, what you would say to us individually, what you'd say to us corporately, that we would be changed, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind tonight, that you would be so gracious as to take a coal from your altar, that you place it upon my lips, that as I preach, you would burn faith in the hearts of those that hear. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, go ahead and pray right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory, honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We'd encourage you to take notes, but I've given myself the freedom to uh, not pass them out. However, tonight's message is of paramount importance for every believer. I want to talk to you about how to deal with mistreatment, how to deal with abuse. I mean ongoing abuse. And when people don't treat you right. When I was born, my father and mother talked about naming me David, but settled on Daniel. And uh, the name Daniel means God is my judge, which of course is true. If you want to be like David, how many of you know who David is? He's in the lineage of the Messiah. He's the greatest king of Israel ever, except for, of course, the king of kings. Except and the, the issue regarding Bathsheba. And David is one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. And if you want to be like a David, or maybe you've received a prophetic word, you're like a David... Well, if you're like a David, then you better brace yourself because you're going to go through what I call the seminary of Saul. Being in the seminary of Saul is no easy seminary, no school to be in, no easy school to be in. Dealing with personal conflict, dealing with problems when they come your way. You say, well, I've never really been mistreated. Well, you will be. It's coming. It's common to being a human being. If you think that you're going to get through life without being mistreated or, 
or, or, or cut in line or put to the bottom of the list or stepped over, you are sadly mistaken. You see, what I've found in my life and what I see in Scripture is true is that really mistreatment, though it's not right, not just, will have a way of training me that nothing else can. We don't like being offended. We don't like when we're, we're not honored. We don't like being abused, of course. 6.5 billion people on the earth, and most people are mistreated regularly throughout their life. So if you can't handle it, you need to get healed. And you need to start to see the purpose of trials. And the purpose of being mistreated. Don't ever waste a good trial. Look at your neighbor and say, don't ever waste a good trial. <laughs> On this side of eternity, you're going to have problems. And they're really training ground for becoming a great man or a great woman of God. Listen, there is no other way to make a great man or a great woman of God except for getting them in the fire. And when you're in the fire... You just need to learn to start to sing. You need to start to rejoice. Like the three Hebrew boys. And the fourth man showed up, one who looked like the Son of God, and they all were delivered without even the smell of smoke upon them. You need to learn how to handle the fire. You need to learn how to handle mistreatment. Some people just lose their sanctification altogether because someone cuts you off and you're convinced that it's because you have a fish on the back of your car. I don't put a fish on the back of my car because there's times where I don't drive very Christian-like. So I thought I would just don't want to be a bad witness. <laughs> if you'll learn, <laughs> if <laughs> my wife helps me, praise God. Sometimes when I get in my truck, it might be a generational iniquity, Mom. I don't know. Get in my truck, it's like, yes! Whoa! Amen. I've changed significantly as I've gotten older. If you learn to respond the right way in the midst of a trial, you learn to respond the right way in the midst of mistreatment, you learn to respond the right way, you'll actually go deeper in God and you'll get more anointing, more power from God if you learn to do it the right way. If you don't learn to do it the right way, well your depth becomes more shallow and you begin to lose a vibrancy of heart with God. Why? Because you're not created. He's not made it so that you should get your own vengeance. So that you should take care of things and fix their wagon. The quote I grew up with, when God fixed somebody's wagon, that wagon's fixed. However, if you fix somebody's wagon, then God's not going to get involved in that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you don't respond the right way, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 through 20, you don't respond the right way, you respond wrongly, you'll end up getting bitter. You'll end up having things that stir in your spirit that God never intended for you to have. Now this is a challenge. It's a challenge when your employer wants to pin you to the wall with a javelin. And you're able to keep a right heart and say, oh, well, God bless you. That's the story of David. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Put it up on the screen, please. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Say it, I'm not my own. I am not my own. Verse 20. For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So, here's the key to this. Your body doesn't even belong to you. In fact, if you've really surrendered your life to Christ, then your life belongs to Christ. That means He purchased you. That means He's the one that's authored and, and going to perfect and finish the work that He started. And when you see yourself in that truth, in that light of that revelation right there, then when someone comes against you, it's really God's issue. Now, we usually never yield to allowing God to do it because we want it done now. That wagon, we're going to fix that wagon, going to shoot that dog. Going to, oh, do me once, shame on you. Do me twice, shame on me. And so you're just going to work somebody up one side and down the other in the name of the Lord with your righteous indignation. It's not scriptural. Turn the other cheek. I hate that scripture. Does anybody else hate that? I just want to. I just want to tear that one out the Bible. Does anybody want to? Don't do that because then all the curses come on you. Revelation, last paragraph. The key to responding in the midst of of being persecuted, in the midst of uh, mistreatment, the key to responding rightly in the midst of being dealt a short hand or being ripped off, is understanding that that you were bought with a price. Come on, say, I belong to God. I love what uh, uh, John Bosman, who comes occasionally here to preach, he said, God's man is God's responsibility. That means if you really do belong to the Lord and you have really submitted to Him, then your life is really His responsibility. It doesn't, it doesn't eliminate you continually to choosing and free will and doing the right thing. But when things happen, come on, if somebody was to rip me off I would feel bad for them. I'm not going to get all angry about it. Everything I have is the Lord's. God gave it all to me. I tithe. And it sanctifies everything I own. And so if somebody was to steal some money from me, really who they stole from is the Lord. And that is very dangerous. Why? Why are you saying that? Because all that I have belongs to Him. I was bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. For those of you that are fornicating, you should stop it. It's not yours. It's not your body. Hello. Should we, should we step on that just a little bit for a second? Okay, will, will a man unite Christ with a harlot? I'm just saying it. We are not an ear-tickling type of church. I'm just going to tell you, if you live a life of fornication, don't tell me you're a Christian. That's not what Christian means Christ-like. That's not what you do. Now listen, God can bring you out of that. Praise the Lord. He did that for many of you. Amen? Sure got quiet in here. But your, your body is not your own. Your body's not your own. The key to responding rightly to mistreatment is understanding that your life is not your own. It's really a foundational principle. Jesus bought us. He owns us now. 
therefore he's responsible. Come on, say it. Say, Jesus bought me. He owns me. So God's responsible for me. Listen, don't get all weird on me and say, well, then, I, then he's just going to do everything. No, you have to wake up. you got to go to morning prayer. you got to choose God. You have a free will. But, but as he leads and guides your life, as he directs you, he's responsible as long as you keep your heart right before him. Can you say amen? amen. He owns our relationships. He owns our money, our reputation, our physical well-being, ministry position. He's responsible for our lives. And often as believers, we love Jesus, but we keep these, own, these issues in our hands. Let me say that again. Most believers don't, they don't transfer the rights to Jesus. They don't transfer the rights to the kingdom. They keep the things in their own hands. So if somebody does something wrong, they're going to lash out. They're going to take care of it. They're going to fix it. And if you do that, it's not that you make yourself a doormat. You need to have boundaries, right? If somebody's constantly abusing you, you know, back away. Healthy relationships. It doesn't mean you continue to stick your finger in a pencil sharpener. Come on, you stick your finger in a pencil sharpener. Oh! Oh! I don't think I want to do that again. And some of you have relationships that are like that. So you constantly, Lord, help me, God. Help me. Look, hey, separate yourself. You need some healing. Money, you know what I'm talking about? The, the woman who constantly marries, you know, the Tarzan who beats her up. You see, really, because she's trying to provide, this is what I believe, trying to provide her own redemption. Because the way that she thinks, or he, we've seen it both ways, he or she thinks so poorly about themselves and hate themselves so much and really believe that they need to be abused. So that self-fulfilling prophecy to come into a relationship where a guy or a girl will constantly abuse you emotionally and physically and in your own mind you really feel like you're at home. Maybe you grew up with that. So you have this cycle of, of destruction in your life and you really, it's not God's will for you to be abused. But in the course of life, you'll go through things, and there's things that are not fair. You know, you weren't speeding. You get the ticket, maybe. Uh, somebody, somebody was, you're up for the promotion, and there were some corrupt things that took place at the top, and you didn't get the promotion. And you knew you were supposed to, and they told you you should have, but you didn't. That's called mistreatment. The scripture that we read, Psalm 31 Verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit is a scripture that Jesus declared. He quoted the Psalm of David when he was on the cross. And I will just tell you that into your hands I commit my spirit. It's more than just him committing his spirit to the Lord. For us and for David, it was more than that. It was everything. He was saying, look, Lord, you're totally in charge. You're absolutely able to deal with every infinitesimal detail of my life. Verse 15 of Psalm 31. Turn there, please. Verse 15. My times are in your hand. Listen, you might not have another day. You know, we're just used to the sun rising, mostly. 
You, you're not promised another day. You, you don't know that you'll actually live one more. You know, we hope that you do. We pray that you God forbid. But no man knows the time. No one. That's why the psalmist said, help me to, to consider my days, to count my days, to weigh my days. My times are in your hand. Come on, say that. My times are but so oftentimes we try to take it back from the Lord. It's not happening fast enough. You're not bringing me the wife fast enough, the husband fast enough. You didn't promote me fast enough. God, 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 God. Listen, I've been through a lot in my life, and I wasn't, I think it was 40-something when I got my first house. And I remember saying, and I said it from the pulpit, it's about three, four years ago. I don't even know how old I am, Jesus help me. Anyway. Forty-six. I was 46 years old. And I'm talking to the Lord, and I was saying, God, no, I'm 46, and I finally got my own house. Woo! I mean, you know, in America, from my viewpoint, you know, for me, that was like a little bit of a late bloomer. Right? I thought I'd be president by the time I was 35. You know? And that didn't happen. So I'm 46 years old, and God does a number of major miracles for me, and I end up with my own house. I'm not renting from anybody else. He totally wiped out my debt basically in one day. In one day, and I'm not talking 50 bucks. Thousands and thousands of dollars would have taken me another 15 years to pay it all. Okay, he wiped it out in one day. It's amazing. It's, it's an amazing miracle. He said, can God do that for me? Yeah, he's not a respecter of persons. Of course, I was faithful to tithe and to do everything I could do for 14 years before he did it. I'll just say that. And if he did it before that, I don't think I'd have appreciated it the way I appreciate it now. And so I was telling the congregation those number of years ago, man, I'm 46. God finally gave me my own house, and what an awesome miracle. And I was testifying to people, whoa, thank you, Jesus. I go to sleep on a Saturday night. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I hear the Lord saying the same words that I said, which were, you're 46, and you finally got your own house. That's what I wake up to, God saying that to me. And so I thought, huh, yeah. Amen, Lord. And he says it again. How many of you know when God says something twice, he's saying something he's not saying? Moses, my servant, is dead. Duh. How many of you know Joshua knew that Moses was dead? Okay, so when God says something to you, you already know he's saying something else. So he says, you're 46, you finally got your own house. And I thought, yeah. Now by that time, God's presence has filled my room, and I'm sitting on the end of my bed going, what? I hear it again. You're 46 years old. You finally got your own house. I'm like, Lord. And he says this to me. Do you not think that I could have given you a house before you were 46? And I thought, yeah. Do you think that I was unjust when I waited? Do you think that my timing was off? Do you think that my arms are too short? Do you have an opinion about the timings and things I'm doing in your life? I thought, oh, God. Uh, no, no. It's all good. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I started backing away. Thank you. No. No, 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 no. It's awesome to me. 
and he rebukes me and says, you do have an opinion because you kept declaring. Because in your mind, in your heart, you believe you should have had the house earlier. And he began to deal with me about worldly ambition on top of my life. He began to deal with me about what real success is. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't like it so much, but at the same time, Oh, did it set me free. See, some of you don't understand that God's timing's perfect, and you don't really trust Him all the way, so when it doesn't come through or the thing didn't happen the way you thought it should, you're raising your fist at God, saying, Oh, God, don't you know? Isn't this the time? And you're, you're, you're demanding your way. Look, your times are in His hands. Now, there are demonic assignments that can hold back the blessings of God. You need to backhand them with every bit of spiritual authority you have. But I mean, at the end, of the day after that God is able to come through for you and if, and if you get in your spirit that the timing's wrong or things are off listen God's after something on the inside of you that you probably aren't even aware of and all of the circumstances are working together to form and to make you like Christ don't ever waste a good trial don't waste mistreatment it's God's divine opportunity to change you I am preaching way better than you're amening. Some of you are like, I don't think I like this message. Let's go to Carl's Jr. and get a burger. I feel led to leave right about now. Psalm 31 is a classic psalm of how David interacted with the Lord when he was mistreated. And it gives insight on how he, was, how he responded. When you're mistreated, it involves continually transferring your personal rights. Listen to me. Listen. When you're mistreated, it, it, it involves you continually transferring your personal rights into the hand of God himself. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. And I have found that most Christians are clueless on how to do that. And I'm being freshly reminded as I'm preaching to you right now. Someone says, man, that was a great word. I'm like, dude, I'm preaching to myself. What are you kidding me? God's speaking to me. I wonder if we're going to have some mistreatment coming. I don't know. But listen, let it have its perfect work. We commit all ownership into his hands. Luke 23, 46, Jesus quoted this, into your, into your hands. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Peter elaborated on it in 1 Peter 2, 23. Turn there. I'm not going to preach long to you, just a few more minutes. First Peter 2.23. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return? Well, I know most Christians just be wiped out right there. Because the second they're reviled, can you give me the NIV? Let's see what the NIV says. First Peter 2.23. When they hurled insults at him, that's good. It helps break it down a little. Reviled, we don't usually use that word too often, when they hurled insults at him. How about that? Can you relate to that? When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. I've told this story so many times, but I love this story, and it's an illustration, Mom, that comes from your life. My mother uh, worked 
Throughout her life, she was on the bench at Cartier. It was the first woman on the bench. I'm going to brag on you, because I can. She's a goldsmith and a jeweler and artist and was the first woman on the, on the, on the bench at Cartier in, in New York City, ever. I got that right? <laughs> she could say nothing, but it's true. And she was in jewelry and sales and, and all of that, worked for Tiffany, and, you know, my mom's had a fascinating life. She'll be writing a book. Look forward to it being completed, Mom. And so um, she was working for a jeweler in the Hawaiian Islands. And uh, it was a high-level jeweler. And a, uh, a celebrity came in with his entourage. Now, if I don't get the story exactly correctly, you'll forgive me. It's how I remember it. All right. I'm right so far. Okay, and looked at a bunch of jewelry. And I forget the exact amount, but we're talking tens of thousands of dollars. I remember 20 grand is what I remember. So decent sale, more than that. 50 grand? All right. Thereabouts. So she sets up the sale, but he's not re- he's going to think about it, whatever, so he leaves, you know. How many of you ever been in sales? Okay. So he comes back when, with the entourage to buy the jewelry, And as I remember, my mom's not there. And the manager decides to take the sale because it's some serious bank. In other words, you know, $40,000 sale, pretty decent commission, right? Okay, so he takes it and doesn't, you know, you're supposed to split it or do something, whatever their rules were. And so when she comes back in and realizes that the sale was done, she says, hey, this was my sale. He says, no, it wasn't mine even though it's documented in the book and all of that. And she had a revelation of this somehow, maybe because it was all the suffering you've been through. She said, oh, really? Okay. And she let it go. And she needed the money. Over the course of the next week, as I recall the story, God came and vindicated her This man lost, somebody, an air conditioning guy came in. She wasn't there. I don't don't think you were there at the time. But an air conditioning guy came in to work on the air conditioning unit. Same time a lady came in to look at a diamond ring. It was a little bit of confusion in the shop. And they lost lost a diamond ring. And they can't figure out where it was. Wasn't on the film. Wasn't around. Was gone. And we're talking lots of money. Homeboy had to pay for it. The one who ripped off my mama. I'd I'd have stepped in and fixed his wagon another way had I known about it. And all of the sons in the house said, amen. But she knew how to give place for God's vengeance. Most people don't know how to do that. I've heard some stories even recently. Listen, when God is for you, who can be against you? And if you end up being mistreated or you feel like somebody ripped you off, look, you can make an effort to correct that in, in the Lord, you got to be sensitive to when He wants you to let it go. And when you let it go, then He moves in and takes care of it. And when God takes care of it, oh God, help the person that ripped off his son, his daughter. You belong to God. Everything that you have belongs to God. If you're a tither, that is. If you're not a tither, then you open yourself up to destruction. It's a whole other message. I've taught it to you at other times. You have been purchased by the Lord. All right, 1 Peter 2, 23. Here we go. When they hurled insults at him, 
He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Answer this question. Is God able to judge and, and bring justice in your life? Yes or no? He's, above, he's bigger and higher and stronger and badder than any court of law in the land. He is able to do it more than any other nation. He's in charge. He has the host of heaven. And listen, you need to remember that this is not the show. This is not the deal. This is an internship, and one day you'll graduate and go to the, go to the age that's yet to come. And you'll live forever, and you'll rule and reign. And how you're being trained right now, how are you doing? Look at your neighbor and say, man, I'm glad I came to church tonight. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Make room for God's vengeance. Everybody say, make room for his vengeance. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 on the screen, if you will. Thank you so much. Do not take revenge, my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath. Wow. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals upon his head. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, this is what we're supposed to do. This is the way a Christian's supposed to live. What a wonderful reminder. Don't avenge yourself. It's mine. Wrath belongs to the Lord. The idea of vengeance includes set the record straight. In other words, let me, let me paint the picture for you. Oh, I'll use a real-life one. Long time ago, there were some things that took place here in the house, this church. And as they took place, it was very painful to watch, very painful to, to be the pastor in the midst of it. And we have committed ourselves to covering people with the love. Cover, love covers a multitude of sins. And so we were endeavoring to cover the situation in love. Though it was bringing and reaping havoc on the church in the first year that we were here. And it was painful and it was difficult. And can I tell you how I wanted to set the record straight? Oh, how I wanted to set the record Oh, I wanted to say what the real deal was. We got accused of all kinds of things. None of which was true. We lost 100 people almost overnight. Headed off to different churches, praise God. I think most of them are serving the Lord. And many came back. Some of you, know, some of you are here. Some of you know flat out what I'm talking about. It's under the blood. We're going to leave it there. For illustration purposes, I found myself after having to defend and cover so many times, I found after losing so many people, I'm in my office, I'm thinking, really? God, really? Really? I'm, I'm being accused of this. My wife is being accused of this whole thing. Oh, God, let me just tell the story. He's like, no way. You will cover and you will shut your mouth. 
And I'll never forget, I had a couple come in to the, the, I mean like the umpteenth couple come into my office and say, man, what is going on? We want to know. And there were leaders. And I finally, it like broke me down. You know what I mean? I failed. I've repented since then, but I failed. I finally said, okay, this is what happened. Bump, 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 bump. Can I tell you how that came back and took a piece of my rear end? Oh, it came back and in fact, I think my, I think it's smaller since then. I mean, it's just like, oh, and the Lord's like, I told you. I wanted to just set the record straight. Now, let me really tell you. I wanted to set it straight, and it's a mistake. You don't have to set the record straight. God knows the record. He has the records. He keeps the records. He is the record keeper. He knows you're rising up. He knows you're setting down. He knows when you've been mistreated. He knows when you've been abused. He knows everything. He knows everything. Let it have its perfect work in you. Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul says this uh, uh, momentary light affliction is working for you. Let me go over here and say that. This momentary light affliction is working for you a far exceeding weight of glory. So here's what he's saying. The pain that you're going through, the mistreatment that you're going through, David, got that David anointing? Welcome to the seminary of Saul. You're going through the difficulty. You're going through the pain. And God is using that to take you deeper in him Deeper in the presence, deeper in anointing, deeper in authority. He's using it all if you'll let it work for you. This momentary, it's just a brief moment. Even if it lasts 20 years, it's just a moment. A day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. The Lord's going to help you in just a second. Momentary light affliction is working for you a far exceeding weight of glory. That means when you're mistreated and you're going through difficulty and you're feeling even, even um, uh, reviled, insulted, if you'll respond the right way, then God will take you deeper and bless you for it. But if you don't, then you get more callous, your heart begins to go hard, and you don't get zip. Except... Less anointing, less authority, and you fail the test. You know, taking vengeance yourself is a cruel taskmaster. You try to take your own vengeance, it will drive you insane. I've been there. I've done it. I had things happen to me, and I couldn't wait to go really serve up some justice by my own hand. And the truth of that story, specifically, is there was somebody on the Lower East Side of Manhattan that influenced me in a way that almost killed me. And man, I just wanted to go fix it. I wanted to go straighten him out. I got saved. I still thought about it. I thought I would think about it. I'd think, oh man, I get back to Manhattan. Hmm, going to help him. And the Lord dealt with me through some of the scriptures that I'm sharing with you. And I was able to let it go. Only later to find out that, that that man got killed. He died. He's dead. I don't wish death on anybody. 
and neither should you. We're not, we're not of that spirit. You don't call fire down and destroy anyone. I love, the, I love the disciples. Should we call fire down on them, Lord? You gotta love the faith, though. I love the faith. Because they believe that they could. Do, do you get that? Lord, should we call fire down on them? He's like, no, 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 fellas, fellas. In other words, they're like, just say the word, Jesus. <laughs> yeah! Some of you want to do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He says, no, you know not what spirit you're of. Some of you are of that spirit, though. You need to repent. Yeah, over your ex-husband, your ex-wife, your ex-girlfriend, the, the government. I got to close. Vengeance is a cruel taskmaster. Let God, let God have vengeance. In fact, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who revile you. Bless and don't curse. Because that, that's who we are. Can you imagine if the Lord dealt with us the way that we want to deal with people that hurt us? Oh, that's it. You blaspheme. Crisp. Next. That's not the Lord. That's not who lives on the inside of you. That's not the Spirit of God. I know some of you are like, really? Yeah, don't really. I know you want to, you know, don't, don't do it. Everybody say, don't do it. Now look at your neighbor and say, don't do it. Look at your other neighbor and say, uh-uh. Say, uh-uh. These things happen as like a, a Holy Ghost pop quiz. Holy Spirit-filled pop quizzes that just tests your heart. <laughs> and this thing is so on me right now. I'm just wondering if I'm going to go through some stuff this week. I'm like, Jesus, really? Lord, have mercy. Come on, you pray these prayers. I want to be like Jesus. Oh, I want to be like Jesus, right? Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. Refiner's fire, have you lost your mind? Do you know what that means? Do you know what that is? You're saying, I want to be totally set apart. I want every work of the flesh out of me. I mean, this really is my prayer, and some of you too. So when the fire comes, it's an answer to prayer. So you can actually model what it is to be Christ-like. And then you get more anointing. You go deeper in God. And remember, your times are in His hands, so it's up to Him how He's going to do it all. And you belong to God vengeance is his so when the pop quiz comes this week don't fail giving you a word from the Lord you can do it how how do I do it die just die to yourself be filled with the spirit 
Well, if you found yourself in the seminary of Saul, it's a wonderful thing because God's got an anointing for you just ahead. He's got a plan for you. Loves you so much he refuses to leave you that way. As we come unto him, the author, the perfecter, the finisher, he sets up these divine Holy Ghost pop quizzes and trials and mistreatment. We don't like it. But if you'll know that God through that is working everything out after the counsel of his will. He's performing and perfecting everything concerning you. All things are yours, the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church, whether Apollos or, or Paul or Cephas, all things are yours. Everything's working together like a, like a giant God electron kaleidoscope, if you can see it that way. It's just all of the blessings and all of the difficulties hitting you just perfectly designed by God to make you more like Jesus. So don't waste a good trial. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on, lift your hands. Some of you are suffering right now. Some of you are suffering right now, and part of your suffering is that you're, you've set in your mind that you need to fix it. You need to set the record straight. You need to change this thing. You need to fix that wagon. Listen, vengeance belongs to God. Just give it to Him. Let it go. You know, don't put your finger in the pencil sharpener. Back away from some stuff. Come on, let go of some of the relationships that are really high-level dysfunction, people abusing you. Come on, you're royalty. You don't need to be abused. It's not God's will for you to be abused, but in the course of your life, you will go through mistreatment. You will have people that don't like you, that persecute you. Use it as a divine opportunity to springboard you on into deeper places in God. Did you get it? Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Oh, say this, say, I've been purchased with a price. Come on, my life is not my own. My times are in your hand. I commit my spirit into your hands. I commit my relationships into your hands. I commit my money into your hands. I commit my life into your hands. Do with me what you will. Use me. Take me. And shine your glory through me to a lost and a dying world. Come on now, just pray in the Spirit. Come on, pray in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, you belong to God. You belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Our God Our God is strong. Our God. Heart, you are higher than any other. Our God is here. Awesome and power. Our God. strength come to the front you're going through stuff and you need strength tonight come come just come come all the way up front our God is healer awesome in power 
stop us. And if our God is with us, then one can stand against. Release strength today. Release your power today. And if our God is with us, then one could stand against. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then one could stand against. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is At least one person in the midst of a, uh, a lawsuit. And as we were singing that song, the Lord brought to remembrance a very dear friends of ours in the midst of a lawsuit. And they would go on this walk, and during this walk, they would pray for God's favor and God to help them. And they were seemingly in the right with everything. Everything was righteous on their side, but the other side just seemed to be taking advantage. It was a business deal. And the Lord spoke to them and said, turn around and walk backwards. While they're walking, they're praying. The Lord says, turn around, walk backwards. So they turned around and they walked backwards along that road. And while they're walking backwards, God said, I want you to bless their socks off. I want you to just give them everything that they want and let it rain on them in the name of the Lord and do it with a sweet, gentle spirit. You know what happened? They did that. And God so turned that whole thing around, and then that person ended up blessed. He was overreaching. He was taking advantage. They blessed them, and God prospered their business that they had so exceedingly. It was supernatural. I'm talking stupid favor. People call them up and say, oh, by the way, we want you to do this whole thing when they didn't even solicit it, didn't even look for it. God did that over and over and over and over, and they became exceedingly wealthy through that. When they were trying to grasp at straws to make things right, and God said, just let it go. I'll never forget many years ago on the island of Kauai, we had a, a, a Marshallese ministry, and the Marshallese ministry was led by this young man who was up and coming you know, leader in the Marshallese church. He was one of my leaders. And he decided to take the church away from KC, which is like, it's inconceivable to me. And let me tell you, I had some thoughts that I needed to repent of. I'm thinking, how in the name of the Lord are you going to actually do that? After I had taught him and fathered him and helped him and all that. And I remember calling Dr. Morocco, who's my pastor and our senior leader over KC Worldwide, and I told him the situation. I said, oh, here's what he wants to do. He's taking the church. He's leaving. He's going to take all the people, the whole thing. How, what do we do? What do you want to do, Pastor? Because I'd like to go and fix him. And I knew it was the flesh. I would never do that. But I mean, I just, I was disrespected. It was going to hurt the work, and I knew it wasn't going to be any good for the people and all that. I'll never forget what happened. I said, so pastor, what do we do? He said, well, let's pray. So we prayed. He prayed this Christ-like prayer. And when he finished, there's this long pause. And he says, Pastor Daniel, I'm telling you what we're going to do. I said, okay. He said, we're going to give him the church. He said, excuse me? 
He said, we're going to bless him and give him the work. And we're going to, we, he has to find another place to meet. He's going to find another building. But, but we're going to bless him and we're going to give him the church. I thought, oh, doctor, you are Christ-like. So we had a special meeting, and uh, we had a special meeting. I was there. I preached for the Marshallese that were there, just really 20 people or so, and uh, prophesied over them, spoke life over them, preached vision to them, brought the guy who was trying to split our church, laid hands on him, and blessed him. Do you know what happened in that church? It doesn't exist, which is sad. I'll also never forget what doctor said to me. He said, you know, we could try to fight for it and try to, and we'd be in the right. He said, but I'll tell you who gets hurt. The people get hurt. He said, we're going to let it go and we're going to bless them. I just thought, oh, you're one of my heroes, doctor. And we didn't wish destruction on them, but it just, it just, it wasn't the Lord. We tried to warn him, tried to help him. It didn't work out well for him, for his marriage or the church. By the way, all those people wound up many years later back in our church, another Marshallese work that's thriving and very healthy years later. You don't wish evil on anybody, but learn to, learn, listen, learn to just let go and let God take care of stuff. And, and, and we've had it come back, and he's repented to me, praise God, years later, a decade later. Come on, some of you are facing, there's, a, there's at least one person, you're facing a, uh, uh, a court case. Walk backwards. Think different. Think like God thinks. In your relationships, learn to think differently. Think like that. What would the Lord do? What would he really do? Come on, lift your hands. Come on. Holy Spirit. Lord, sometimes, often, our thinking is so different than yours. And we want to be your people who hold out the word of truth like a city on a hill. Lord, we want to be people that rightly express who you are in the earth. Not greedy. Not filled with anger and rage. Not returning reviling for reviling insults for insults. We want to be a people who walk in truth. Who are gentle and kind and loving. Long-suffering and patient. We want to be a people, Lord, that, that honor you in all of our relationships. We commit into your hands every situation in our life. And we're asking, God, that you would fill us right now with your Holy Spirit. Release unto us wisdom from heaven. Release unto us, Lord, remove any offense that we have. May we not be a people that are so easily offended. Oh, God, fill us with the love of God. May we cover others with your love. And not speak of it. Not set the record straight. Lord, as we all are really in the seminary of Saul, may you use us. For you've purchased us. You've bought us. Our life is not our own. And this momentary light affliction is working for us a far exceeding weight of glory, both now and in the age to come. I got to say this, and I'm closing. If you'll respond rightly, you not only get rewarded here, the real reward is later. When you're ruling and reigning with Christ, be able to be trusted by Him to even judge. 
wow this is just a test don't get all bowed up and bent out of shape it's just a test to make you more like Jesus you asked him you prayed it refiner's fire he's doing it can you say amen every head bowed every eye closed nobody moving around if you're not right with God don't you leave this place without being reconciled to him if you want to receive Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him just lift your hand now anybody across this place perhaps online let's affirm our faith pray with me right out loud say dear Heavenly Father thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart be my Lord be my Savior wash me and cleanse me make me new thank you for loving me thank you for hearing my prayer amen Holy Spirit I pray you to fill and touch break every chain every bondage Lord fill and bless your people bring us back here God Wednesday night for the Holy Ghost outpouring as we continue in that series Holy Ghost come and we ask Lord for your blessing to reign, remain upon us Lord bless your people cause your face to shine upon them lift up your countenance towards us oh God be gracious to us keep us and give us peace in Jesus name amen God bless you I hope to see you Wednesday night praise the Lord Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.